and welcome to another episode of Star Trek Discovery Pod, a sometimes funny trying to be smart podcast covering all things new and classic Trek. I am your captain for this evening. Uh, definitely not trying to call any Klingons into my yard, Mariah Gossett. With and, me on the screen, we have. <laughs> and I'm your master of Vulcan shame, Paul Satajit. Yay. Clyde is on an away mission this evening. He will be back next week. Um, as you all may know, if you've been listening to the pod, we have been re-watching Star Trek Discovery in preparation for its final season, which is coming in April 2024. Uh, this episode, we are going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 6, Lathe, Episode 7, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, and Episode 8, Sis This Pacum Parabellum. Um, just a couple of reminders, especially to folks who might be watching us live on the U of tubes this evening uh paul that's me paul. i'm paul i'm what, paul what uh, are hey, some reminders we have uh some reminders uh hey if you uh if you want to subscribe to our podcast uh we're on apple spotify and youtube all links are at star trek pod.co and if you love or like or tolerate our content and you'd like to toleration help, uh, you know <laughs> you know like like you know like a vulcan would say like oh i find your podcast adequate hmm uh, but like, you know, like, uh, consider helping us on Patreon for just $2 per episode at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Indeed. A little goes a long way. We really do appreciate it. Cause if you guys don't know, it takes uh, actual money to run this podcast. We've got to pay for things like our website hosting, the software we edit on this platform. Our jet. That, uh, definitely a private jet. So that we can record from exotic locations whenever needed. Um, so we do appreciate y'all's support. Uh, if you are watching us live on YouTube, you can participate in the live chat. We would love if you did. If you have questions, comments, concerns, thoughts about these particular episodes, uh, you can just drop in the chat, capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat if you want us to pay attention to what's going on. Otherwise, have fun. Chit chat with the other people hanging out with us this evening. Um, and if you're listening to us, hey, we appreciate you, listeners been downloading with us for a long time you've been hanging out with us since the early days before live streaming all these things before even i was on here some of you that's crazy to think about um and we appreciate you so maybe you drop us a review on apple podcasts or on spotify uh or shoot us an email uh via star tell us what you think about these episodes we would love to hear from you as well okay i think it is time for us to jump into Another new video slash bumper. If you're listening to the audio, uh, we'll describe what, what's happening on the screen when we come back. I had a good time making <laughs> silly little videos. <laughs> so let's get ready for Rara Rapid Riker. A Rapid Riker. Wow, just... you go. Describe that. What, what, what did we just see, Mariah, for those who haven't seen? <laughs> It was Boimler doing a Riker onto a saddle multiple times. There we go. There we go. Because sometimes it's just what you need is a rapid. Sometimes it's just a rapid Riker. Rapid Riker. Um, okay. Uh, let's quickly do these three episodes. Was there any big standouts for you? What What was maybe your favorite of the three? Some hot, hot thoughts. Uh, like my favorite has always been uh, Seven, you know, which is... Uh, uh, magic to make the Saints Man go mad, just because I'm a big fan of of Rain, Rain mm -hmm. Wilson, 
as Harry Mudd. I think that's like inspired casting. And like for all of it, like, you know, a good time loop uh, show. Like it's, it's just very good. And the way they did it, it was, this was the, this was the episode that goes like, oh, I can be down for this. Like mm-hmm. uh, I was on the fence for the first five episodes. Well, I take it back. Six was pretty good too. But for the first five, I'm like, oh, I don't know where this is going. Uh, six was very good. I go like, oh, and then uh, six got my uh, how how does it go? How does intrigue? Uh, intri- in, you know, is the uh, amuse bouche like, of a better meal that yeah. you were looking forward to? <laughs> uh, you know, like six intrigued me. Seven got my attention. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so so yeah. So I think, but seven still like you know, I really it, it's a real classic uh, episodic where like. You can just remove it and it would be fine, but putting it in there helps and like, you know, like uplifts the rest of the serialized arc. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree. Seven to me is is one that I consistently will go back and and watch uh, if if I'm feeling it, because it is like to, to your point, it doesn't feel like you have to know every piece of plot to to enjoy that particular episode. Um, I also enjoy Rain Wilson's um portrayal of Harry Mudd uh I love my favorite part though is when Stella shows back up with her dad in very what to me are like such throwback costuming to like the TOS era um that I really appreciated it so yeah I think seven of this of this three really stands out to me eight I really love because we finally got off the ship and we're doing some exploring I love when we go on to different alien planets um that we've decided like some strange new worlds some strange new worlds if you will we're discovering things <laughs> uh you know those sort of things um but six is is a big one because we do get the the reconnection i think it's like i think for folks if you were coming into discovery and not knowing who Sarek and amanda were as soon as you drop the spock you kind of then have the full picture right because to me sure if you aren't as like deep into the lore of star Trek, you at least know who Spock is. So you can kind of come to understand the importance. I think of Michael Burnham within the, the fabric of, of some legacy characters. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and start with six. We'll start with lead, which was uh, directed by Douglas R. Arnikoski, which I just practiced and still mess pra- like, like Arnikoski. Yeah. Arnikoski, uh, and written by Joe Minoski and Ted Sullivan. Um, this one we have, you know, Sarek is injured and we have the return and the kind of revisit about the Katra sharing and the way that Michael and Sarek have a special relationship. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible the way you phrased it. You're welcome. <laughs> but no, they 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 can mind meld with each other across galaxies. They have a, a special connection uh, in a, um, you know, he calls, what does he call her? My guardian, my ward, my ward. Like, like Robin, Batman. Bat, yeah. I was just listening to a podcast where they described Robin as Batman's ward. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yes. And then we also have... Um, the kind of B plot of uh, Cornwall coming and trying to be like, Hey, Lorca, we used to hook up. I'm here to hook up with you again, but it's also to make sure you're actually a sane human being. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I think, uh, I think both are very good 
you know, like both storylines. I think mm-hmm. ultimately we see Lorca and per his introduction, like you've never seen a wartime uh, uh, Starfleet officer. Like, you know, right. you, even in Deep Space Nine, you know, there's still just Starfleet officers who happen to be in war. Mm-hmm. But, but, but Lorca is like, you know, I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to win. I, you know, Sparta kind of, kind of person. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and okay. from, uh, this kind of explains why a little bit more, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing is, this is definitely the episode where you start to realize like this Lorca perhaps is not the Lorca that everyone knows. Um, it is hard to separate that in my mind, you know, coming into it in this way, but it is odd to me to see Lorca at the beginning of this episode tell ash tyler like hey don't you better not kill my girl you i'm putting you in charge bring my girl back you know kind of vibes or don't come back which is quite the declaration i think um and then how you see it like you know because because i i read it and i go like oh you know don't fuck up because i don't tolerate that Uh, it it, it feels very like it's so to me it's like i'm breaking the rules because this is someone i care about and this is like the continued escalation of that yeah i don't know maybe i I can see it i can see how it could be interpreted that way Uh, but i can see it on the the level of like like here are two jocks who are like you know like don't you know this is what don't f it up (laughs) yeah like like it's what you say to like really hetero men to each other like you know like who, who play football together I, I don't know you know yeah I mean to me it read very like I care deeply about this person and that's why we've ignored mm-hmm. the orders of an admiral I'm sending sure. my head of security on this mission to sure, make sure. sure that you return her and Tilly and Tilly moral support and also very smart um I think this is the one too that opens with um, Tilly and and Burnham running through the through the decks, um, giving us that uh, iconic disco T-shirt line, uh, which has now been adapted for multiple other ships. And I I really love the costuming. Looks great. I know there was a lot of controversy about the the costuming at the start of Discovery, but I've been really enjoying it. Um, what did you think of? The Vulcan expeditionary group rejection memory as our plot device I mean, for this like character reveal. I like I really like I remember the first time I saw this and I was <laughs> going, okay, I don't know what's happening. Uh I don't know why it seems weird that you know that Sarah keeps on looping this moment. Mm-hmm. but like you know but i it never occurred to me that like you know the way that they resolve it you know where where burnham gets to hear what sarah you know was told and had to make the decision and i was like oh that's pretty slick yeah I, I, th- I thought it was pretty slick like mm-hmm. i've used the word titrate you know in my life in chemistry but i've never heard the word titrate used in uh in life until mm-hmm. like you're like oh well you know humans they need to be titrated and you know and I'm like oh what a great word <laughs> what a great word like you know it sounds like clinical and 
could definitely be racist if need be, but like <laughs> it's, it's just such a great so that that so that you know f- for those who you know remember the episode or don't remember the episode, like you know basically Sarek was given a choice because uh, Burnham is you know human and Spock is half human. The expeditionary force not really eager to bring humans along for the ride literally mm-hmm. so they go but they could not deny their excellence so the head guy goes you get a choice you get to pick your son or 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 your ward mm-hmm. and and like sarah is like that's an impossible choice and i go well you made it mm-hmm. <laughs> but but like you know it puts him in a vulcan shame spiral which i love <laughs> It was very, I thought it was very interesting to see a Vulcan shame spiral where yeah, he no. was just like, and it was because he was like, I thought I made the logical choice, but then my son decided to like screw it all up at the end. And then yeah, my like, logical choice didn't. But, but, but here, here's work. the thing, like, you know, here, here's what it, what I really loved about it. Why did he choose to tell Burnham no? You know, like, that like is, he, yeah, they like, just like, said no. <laughs> Because he, I mean, that is such a dad move to be like, I can't tell you I had to make, I had to sever the baby in half, you know, like I, I would rather you just think that they made the decision. And and, and, and what's, what's, you know, what's really interesting is like, like you make that choice because I, and this is what it looks like. I don't know if it is because, but like, you know, Sarah made that choice because Spock is his real son versus (laughs) Which which is a cold and interesting thing to have a discussion yeah. about. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think I think that's really like, you know, like here's this here's this woman who shares his katra. Right. It's like she is <laughs> a part of your soul. That's right. And then there's your son who has your DNA. <laughs> and he chooses the son, which has all this like implication with like, you know, like, oh well, is it a is it a sex thing? Where like you hear the boy versus a girl? Is it uh, you know, a genetic thing? Cause you because secretly you think Vulcans are superior or all these things come into play. It, and I'm it, sure it, he thought about all of them. Yeah, and because it doesn't seem like it's a flip of a coin. Because mm-hmm. like she, he could have just said to her, "Oh, it was a flip of a coin," or "I chose Spock." Like whatever the reason is, he's ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. That that that's what's so so crunchy about this episode is like you know here's Sarek, you know, doing something that he's shameful of, you yeah. know, and and I, and I go like, oh well, that's that's an interesting wrinkle. That that that's a worthwhile that's a worthwhile. Uh, addition to the lore mm-hmm. you know because you don't get to see that you don't get to see people like wrestle like, not often like you, you get glimpses but like you know yeah. in this particular way like like i Personal always moral back, quandary yeah i always go back to pale moonlight in deep space nine because that's where cisco basically goes i'm gonna trick the romulans into getting into the war mm-hmm. it's gonna cost millions hundreds of millions of romulan lives because i want to win but that's worth it so, so like hundreds of Romulans die because, you know, or, or go to war because of uh, because of Cisco, and mm-hmm. he's and Cisco's like, yeah, that sucks, but I'll do it again because I gotta win. And you're like, you're like, oh, that's a bummer, but like, but for he, for Sarek, he's like, I have to make this choice, and I've made it a million times in my head, and ultimately, it was screwed over in the end yeah, by not yeah. my own choices. Yeah, it, 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 it's beautiful. So I really. Like I really respect that storyline. Like the, the way, like I really like it when a storyline 
like gives you something that is new mm-hmm. like and and so what discovery does oftentimes is like puts a a different for all for all of it like you know in TOS or the 90s era uh Star Trek things are morally clear mm-hmm. like you can do a bad thing but you're still a good person you know here is this a bad thing that he's done you know it's messy you know mm-hmm. and, and i think i think in some ways and this is probably w- why some people don't like discovery or like have a, a resistance to it is because discovery is by choice messy yeah it doesn't give you it's a lot of gray areas explored yeah, rather than exactly. keeping things very black and white um, so, so, so yeah so you know so i thought this was like the the an accessible messy point yeah yeah i agree i agree um and then we ultimately move with Lorca and Cornwall who hook up and she sees scars on his back and I think has the inkling of like, I don't think this is actually the same person, especially when she's just like, this hookup was not the same as our last hookup, which I thought was a very interesting but, detail but it, to put out, point but out. Yeah. Up like 20 years ago, like, yeah. you know, if you were to hook up with someone you hooked up with 20 years ago. You know, I would so, hope it would be different. <laughs> so, you know, and with 20 years, you can fall down and get like a, yeah. a scar or two. So like, so like, oh, you're, you're, you're different because you, mm-hmm. you, you hump differently. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what was so shady to me was then when he's like, Cornwall can go to this Klingon thing that is very obviously a trap. Like, <laughs> Um, so I thought that was an interesting way for him to, I think, see someone who was now a potential threat and to remove that potential threat. Yeah, no, I thought that was like, and, and when like Saru goes like, Hey, are we going to rescue her? And he goes, Nope. Nope. We're going to follow Starfleet orders, even though yeah. we literally just spent this whole episode ignoring them. Like, I think what was really funny about that or good about that, watching it the first time is like, Oh, well, here's this person who is doing something that seems so apparently benefiting them. You, mm-hmm. He was going to lose his command. Mm-hmm. She goes, we're going to, we're going to take it away and you're going to have to go do real therapy. And, um, and he goes like, Oh, okay. I don't do that, please. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, <laughs> and then when, when, go see some Klingons. <laughs> and then when, you know, when that happens, like, you know, when she goes away and gets caught, he's like, well, I could save her, but maybe I'll follow the rules this time. But she's you know? been telling me I got to start following the rules. He's that's really right, just right. <laughs> just listening so, to what she had to say. So watching it without hindsight, I was going, oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. it's an interesting character. Like, you know, here's this person who's conflicted. He, you know, he's willing to sacrifice this admiral in order to keep his command. That's how much he mm-hmm. wants to win the war. That's I, I don't know. He's like, spoiler right. alert, bad guy. But, you mm-hmm. know, but, you know. But I go like, oh well, here, here it is. Like, you know, here's this situation where you have a messy captain. That's yeah. interesting. Like, I like, you know, like. Speaking of messy captains, into episode seven with magic to make the sanest man go mad, uh, directed by David M. Barrett, written by Aaron Eli Collette and Jesse Alexander. Um, I thought it was so interesting that we go from an episode which to me was, uh, Lorca. Uh, showing us the audience how much he cares for michael and then in this next episode we have tyler you know playing 
hollow deck with Lorca and then being like, just kidding, I'm gonna go after your girl. Like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put on the moves at this party. I just thought that was an interesting little jump. <laughs> yeah, well, like uh like all fair and love and something. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, but yes, I enjoy this time, uh, timey-wimey episode. I love the Gormagander. I thought that was like a funny kind of way to get him smuggled onto the ship. Um, and also just like, I love when we interact with weird, strange space creatures. And the thing to me that was wild to watch was the multiple ways he decided to kill Lorca. Oh, yeah. brutal. Yeah, yeah uh, Lorca, like, you know, uh, like, I love the fact that Lorca was just a non-character in this episode. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it was it was kind of nice to get to see Anthony Rapp really shine in this episode. Yeah, I, I, I thought that too. I go like, oh, you know, like, like, he's a lot better with Tardigate DNA in him. Yeah, it is an interesting like shift in the personality, right? And Tilly's been kind of pointing this out of like, hey, you're kind of swinging between like hippy dippy, all is love, and like extremely angry person. Um, but this episode, we mostly just get hippy dippy. Everything is great. Although at the beginning, when uh, when Stamets is trying to explain like the time loop to Burn Burnham, like the first go, I was like, I don't know how many goes you've already had. So maybe you're just like tired of explaining this. But like, I was like, just spit it out, my friend. <laughs> like, you have a time limit. <laughs> um, but obviously, they got much better at playing telephone because by the end, that 30 minutes, they were, they had a plan of attack ready. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, thought the dancing scene was also very sweet between um, yeah. Stamets and, and Burnham. Yeah, I, I I think the thing that I don't really understand is why Stamets said, hey, it's me. It's going to be May. That's what you're missing. Oh, May. like when, when he approached. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think at that point he had seen everyone die so many times. He might have been like, I just need this to stop. I, I, I don't know. I don't, like, is, is, does that seem like that'd be right? Is that what you would do? I mean, no, I would have lied and said it was you know something else at yeah. that point and then like locked him in a weird room i don't know but uh but yeah it's it's a hard thing to say when you only have 30 minutes of time each time and how many times you've been through that you know i don't know like, if, if i was in a 30 minute time loop i i don't know like you, you have that groundhog day bit right where mm -hmm. where you go oh i'm gonna live forever you know, so I'm going to just eat all the, the pancakes. I'm going to eat, you know, I'm going to eat all the steak. I'm going to drive off a cliff. It does, nothing matters. And so, like, you know, for Stamus to go like, oh, no, I can't, I can't see my friends die one more time. Mm, no, I know. I, so, so that, that, that was the only part where I was like, ah, you could have found another way. Like, like yeah. it literally could have been like, you know. Uh, like Saru or someone goes like, well, it needs Stamus to pilot this. And Stamus goes, no! Crap! You know, like, it, it mm. could have literally been that. Uh, I don't know if Saru would have broken, though. You could have had anyone do it. Like, anyone break. You that's know? true. But that, I think that's, like, to me, that feels like a betrayal to, like, an interpersonal betrayal for some reason to me says more about a person than, like, a self-betrayal. 
And for some reason, I don't think of Stamets as like telling on himself as a betrayal to everyone, because I'm assuming that Stamets has thought a few steps ahead because of who he is. Obviously not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they did. They eventually did. (laughs) No, the the only reason why it worked out was because Burnham goes like, oh, crap. I'm going to self-sabotage. Exactly. You know, I'm going to dark matter myself. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, like Stamets didn't like, yeah, it it, it was. mm. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite part of the of a otherwise sparkling episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, what do you, what do you think about? So this is sort of the first moments we're really seeing any kind of major chemistry points and interactions between Burnham and Tyler. What are your you, thoughts? You can't about get them? off that. Can you can't get off that, that 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 that's your white hot center. Like, it's, oh man, he's so hot. hot. I get it. So hot. Oh, she's they're hot, hot people, and he's hot, and they're in space, and it's cold, but they're hot. Mm. Yeah, mm. makes sense. You want to gravitate mm. to what's warm. It's winter. It's cuffing oh, season. Oh, black alert, everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it, Mariah. I, calm down. <laughs> Take a shower. <laughs> um, what do I think? I, I think I think it was handled very well. I think, you know, like if I were really to be nitpicky, I go like, I don't know if I could like fall in love with someone in, in 30 minutes. But like, you know, if I married my wife uh, four months from dating. So, you know, who are you to say? Who am I to say? <laughs> like, you know, like the minimum oh. time is four months. That's, that's the minimum I, I time. I don't think they fell in love. They only shared a kiss. I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. But like, you know, but like it, it's it's like that super chemistry. But, you know, but I, I don't have like it's been a long time. I've been married for 20 years. So it's been a long time since like some strange person has come up to me and goes, Hey, let's dance. Mm, mm, I've never been in love, but I think I like you. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's direct. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just sad. We miss- I missed our first kiss. I thought that was such a smooth line. I was yeah. like, Oh, I see you. I see you, Ash Tyler. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting to to see how they are playing that. I also thought Tilly had some moves on the dance floor and she was flirting up a storm with like yeah. half that bridge crew. Yeah, Tilly Tilly's a lush. She's having a good time at a party. Yeah, Tilly yeah. knows how to party. Yeah, no, yeah. She 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 she's she got it. I did. I can't remember now. It might have been in the very beginning of this episode. Um uh or maybe the next, but there's a moment when um Stamets comes out of the um you know mycelial uh chamber thing and he sure. says uh cap he says captain and like looks at tilly um and i was like oh is this like a a, a little easter egg for when we get to captain killy <laughs> mm-hmm. Killy, my favorite character because he can see all of time and space in different dimensions um so i think that's possible uh what did you think of the stella twist at the end i thought I thought, you know, like, uh, it's not a twist to me in the Mm -hmm. sense that, like, I knew that Harvey never wanted to be around Stella, Mm -hmm. is running from Stella. The fact that they called Stella and, like, oh, her her dad's an arms dealer. And, like, I I think what I really like is, like, when Stella grabs his hand and squeezes it, you know, and she goes, oh, she he's under her thumb, like, you know, kind of. And I go, like, oh, that, that that's good. That's good. Uh, I, I did like the outfits, although like what I really like about his outfit, the father's outfit was like it was leather and the cape. Yeah. So I, I thought that was hilarious. Um, yeah. I mean, 
in that way, I, I, I like how, how should I say it in the best way? I like how they were making motions to like incorporate TOS into this, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, I was like the ra- the the wrap up at the end felt very TOS of like we're basically like we're turning you into your parents, you mm-hmm. know, like very kind of Scooby Doo ending in a way of like oh we've revealed the monster is you and um now you must face these like consequences for your actions, you know, it felt very like yeah TOS in that way yeah. and I enjoyed it. Yeah, so you know, it's, it's good. Like I love timey wimey nonsense. Yeah, no, like it, I I really like a. I hate it when time episodes are dumb where I go like, Oh, this feels uninspired, but mm-hmm. you're doing it because that way you don't have to change locations and it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. And I, like I, a like, cave episode, if you will. It, 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 it's the, it's the cousin of the cave episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and then I appreciate that. That's fine. You know, I, I like how this story was just one story. There was no, mm-hmm second storyline there was just it was just this yeah and that's i i enjoy that sometimes like but normally i do prefer like probably a uh a multi-story arc yeah to I, me it, it was kind of a like there was like the plot and then there was like the emotional story arc right because mm-hmm. we had the relationship i think to me was the b plot mm-hmm. I, I will say though like you know if you think of tos it's all there's no generally no b plot it's just here's the adventure of the week and we're going to go do the adventure. So this feels like that. So I, I think mm-hmm. maybe in some ways, the rhythm of the sh- episode probably uh, has nostalgia bait for me. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, okay. Moving into episode eight, see this possum parabellum, which means uh, to uh, to have peace, prepare for war in Latin. Um we have uh, Tyler, Burnham, and Saru going down to Pavo, uh, a seemingly uninhabited planet, which has a big crystal transmitter that's broadcasting the planet's vibrational frequency. We love crystals on Discovery. And that was the other thing. <laughs> we had crystals. time crystals. Time crystal or otherwise. Time crystal or otherwise. Meth, crystal meth. You know, it's all it's all there. All there. You know, they've got that guy, Heisenberg, cooking it up for them. Um, right. But they want to use this transmitter to essentially make like a sonar to now detect all of these uh, cloaking Klingon ships, which we we had kind of in the cold open where they're really having a hard time defeating these cloaked Klingon ships. Um, and so we finally get to go off ship and we're on a planet and everything is kind of bluish and Saru is like, everything is too loud. I'm hearing all these frequencies and then these sort of like, amorphic of the wind sparkly beings appear <laughs> and mind meld essentially with Saru and he's like everything is peace and love on this planet and, and I then he crushes the communicators and then he's like and I ain't leaving <laughs> um yeah there is a lot of like fun Doug Jones moments in this episode some really interesting performance like pieces and i think to me the other thing that sticks out is like saru they real they reveal that um uh kelpians can run i think at like 80 kilometers per hour and so there's a moment where you just see saru like running after burnham who's trying to then use the crystalline transmitter uh without the permission of the pavo 
Um, and we also get some revealing moments from Ash in this episode where he talks about his desire to truly like, I guess, get revenge in a way. And it's like one of those little drops, I think, of of potential Klingon-ness that's happening here. Ash Tyler, Klingon in disguise. Yes. Um, so they're, I think, dropping a few things here. And then we also have Cornwall, uh, who is in prison with Laurel, kind of trying to find her place um, with Cole, who's now taken over all of the Klingon thing, has been providing the uh, cloaking devices to all of these ships. And she's just like, I don't like you and I don't know if I want to be here. And so this is my question. This episode, I really love um, Mary Chifo's performance as Laurel in this episode because we finally, uh huh. Oh, okay. we've talked about this, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought it was an interesting performance because I, at, at points, was like, I think you do want to defect and join the Federation and, and not join the Federation, but defect and go to the Federation because she's asking questions of like, what do you do with prisoners of war in the Federation? Oh, you don't kill them. You know, she's essentially like, oh, I won't go die without honor. You know, if I defect, I can go and maybe wait out this war and figure out what I want to do from here. Because she's like, I'm not down with this coal person. But then she has this big fight and and seemingly kills Cornwall is what it's like portrayed as at the end of this episode. But then she goes to dispose of the body and sees the body of all of her friends, like bodies of all of her friends that have been killed by coal. And so I think... I can't tell if the twist is at the beginning for her of like, I'm ready to leave or if it's at the point where she sees the bodies. Yeah, no, it's tough. Like, I I don't think, I I don't think you can know. I don't think you can know. I think, uh, I think that's like, she's a master spy. She comes from the house of master spies. Mm -hmm. And so like part of being a master spy is is being inscrutable. Yeah. And and I think she plays the line. Well, yeah, no, uh, it is one of those things, though, like, I, I, I don't want to come back to it, but, like, you know, at the end of episode two, where she goes, here is the master plan, and mm-hmm. then, like, you know, like, all I'm seeing is, like, man, your master plan sucks. Right, so like, is this, like, a part of the master plan? Exactly. <laughs> I don't and, know. Or is this, like, you know, no offense, like, a J.J. Abrams-style loss, where, like, oh, here is a great concept, and we are lost it's in and the we title. We don't know where we're going. <laughs> we're lost. And so, and so I wonder if this is the, that that type of ca- case where, like, you know, uh, where she's just at some point you're just winging it, right? As a, mm-hmm. you go in with a plan, it was going to be great. Whoops, you know, my my uh, Klingon in disguise doesn't remember that he's a Klingon in disguise. You know, uh, like the guy I I I I bent the knee to is like so much suckier than I thought the, the Joffrey of Klingons. Yeah. The Joffrey of Klingons <laughs> truly. Um, yeah. It, it's hard to tell. And I, and I'm, I'm enjoying watching the reveal and, and getting to see more every, you know, every time I get a glimmer of, of like the Klingon situation, I'm excited mm-hmm. by it, but no, you're, 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 you're a Klingon lover. I am. A, I love Klingon. A Klingon file, a Klingophile. Yeah. Klingophile. Um, the other thing that kind of happens in this episode is Burnham and Tyler have a bit of uh, bonding time on planet while Saru is 
seemingly trying to communicate with the Pavo, but I think is just being brainwashed by them where he's kind of talking about like, oh, I want to go back to Seattle and fish. Have you ever had fresh grilled trout from, you know, very like I'm a man of the woods um, who just so happens to also be an orphan. And it's very like, uh, I don't know. It, it And then she's like, I don't, she is essentially like, I'm probably going to go back to prison. So is this even worth it? You know, it's like, I want to stop this war, but is me pursuing any kind of relationship with you even worth it? The answer is yes. Because everyone needs vitamin D. <laughs> also, you can have a pen pal, have that prison pen pal going. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 How's that going to work out for you? I don't like, know. Uh, I, anyway, uh, I think one of the things that like not to be like anti-discovery one of the things when i watch this episode i go oh they really have no idea what they want to do with saru do they they're, mm. they're searching you know like they're, they're searching they're going like oh man we got nothing we, we we got this we got doug jones and we got this prosthetic and and doug is a trooper to for putting this on every single shoot mm -hmm. but like holy crap like we got nothing we got to find something quick before and you know and, and they did and like mm -hmm. i think i think through like once they got rid of his ganglia because i think somewhere along the line they go like oh you know what cowards don't make good starfleet officers and you know this was kind of that first glimmer i think of maybe where they want to take him right because he does reveal in sick bay at the end he goes him and burnham are having kind of this moment and he tells her about how he's never lived a day not being in constant fear sure. until he was on that planet and in mm -hmm. harmony with the planet. And so it was such a great way to reveal so much about that character in like, I am constantly second and third guessing every choice that I make because of this innate fear that I have as my species because of this ganglia and because of the way that um, he's lived his life and, and then and genetics. and genetics. Right. And then to have that like breath of freedom that he's now tasted. And it's like what I, I wonder if that really plants that seed for Saru of like what is possible going forward. And I think it definitely planted the seed for the writer's room of what's possible for this character yeah. going forward. But, right. I mean, I think like coming up with the Saru character, I go like, oh, imagine uh, imagine a tentative officer someone who is mm -hmm. always will always be unsure because that's their species you know i, I think like if you're it's making interesting messy, to play with right yeah if you're making messy star trek well that's 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 messy yeah <laughs> like if you're uh, making tos you don't want that no no that that breaks the formula too much yeah um uh, but yeah and then we end with so the pavo people like once they so Burnham and they, they all leave the planet thinking they've accomplished their mission and and Saru's like I'm gonna have to get over this um but the Pavo who are so uh linked to the idea of harmony and after learning the concept of war from their mind meld with Saru um have decided to take it upon themselves to try to bring peace to the Federation and the Klingons and is now called the Klingons to the planet and discovery is like we're the only line of defense for this planet and now we must stay here and that was our cliffhanger ending <laughs> yeah no it's 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 interesting like you know it's this side you know like uh, i think america gets uh 
the rap of like, oh, sticking its nose in conflicts that it doesn't really. What? Well, like, like, like a, uh, unjustly so. How about that? <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, like you know, it, it, it's you know, it, it's interesting. I don't know if I if it played enough where I could warrant that. Like you know, mm-hmm. where the public goes, oh, we're, we're we're just so much better. It does reminisce, like like what do you call it? Resonate with like mm-hmm. uh, what I think were were the organins or something like in in TOS, where basically there are a bunch of like these hyper evolved beings, and uh, the, you know they were fighting uh, for a planet, mm-hmm. and then they basically like the Klingons and the Federation were gonna go to war over this planet, and then they made everything like super hot like you couldn't touch anything uh yeah, like and, now we're undesirable <laughs> well, well, well like, like you couldn't touch the, the, the you couldn't touch your phaser or, you know mm. or you couldn't move everything all all the federation all the Klingon empire was paralyzed and they, they go like you will not play anymore we will we will set the rules and and like you know very uh, like of them and and part of that uh the aftermath is uh we're gonna see who deserves x y and z by how well you terraform this one planet mm. uh and that one planet is where the grain that the tribbles ate you know it's the tribbles is the sequel to that episode oh yeah no interesting huh it's all coming together it's all it's coming all, together it's, it's like, all it, coming back to me now that's right, right. <laughs> um yeah, I guess like the triples just always stand out so much more in that series of episodes, but that is true. It's the grain. That's where that starts. Riley Vinkaley, invented by a Russian, according to Chekhov. Hmm. And Kirk's most famous line, does everyone know about this wheat except for me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that feels like a line to, that would be really good to use at a dinner party when everyone's talking about like a real housewives thing that I don't understand. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. So any... like, uh, you go. Oh, I was just going to ask any other thoughts on these three episodes. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think these three episodes, I'm, I wasn't like a big fan of episode eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seemed like a hodgepodge to me. And I, I understand, you know, it's, uh, it's focus. I always say that like when you're shooting something, if you want production design and you don't have money, you go shoot in the woods. Yes. Shoot (laughs) in the woods. Because like, you know, you you can't make the woods any sexier, but like it gives you a base level, you know, production. So like, you know, there's Saru, here's my gazelle humanoid running around in the woods. Boom. Mm -hmm. There you go. Looks okay. great. We're gonna just turn all the green blue. That's right. He, <laughs> and here it you is. never know; these are the woods outside of Toronto. <laughs> That's right. Here, Star Trek Flash. Great. Great. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But but yeah. But I think like like six and seven really are pivotal episodes for me to enjoy Discovery. I don't think I was on board until then. Like in retrospect, I see what they're doing uh, much earlier now. But like, but I couldn't appreciate it at the time. Yeah, it is interesting. I went back because I was like, oh, I feel like I need like to actually read someone's like really fresh, fresh take of this. So I went back to um, Den of Geek, who I usually enjoy um, their reviews. I think they do a good job and are are usually pretty fair um, on a lot of these. And what's interesting is 
of these six, they only gave three out of five stars versus um, seven and eight. They gave four out of five for each of those. So I thought that was interesting. Mostly they were like excited. We finally got off the ship for eight, um, which I think I share in some of that sentiment. Sure, sure. Um, I, I think, you know, I think in the end, like six is a very nuanced episode. I think mm-hmm. you can just go like, oh, here, you know, but like the ramifications of what it is for Burnham for Sarek, for, you know, for basically human Vulcan relationships. Yeah. Are, you know, here's the Vulcan who is most in present day hand reaching across the aisle to go like, mm-hmm. oh, we can we can do this together. Only to find out, but I still look down at you because you're still human, right? Mm-hmm. It and is interesting. You, you know you suck, right? You know, we're still better. So it's like a little... Yeah, uh, it was... Uh... It's interesting because to me, I think the reason it got a lower rating in my mind is because it's the episode that has the most connection to I, legacy characters. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people watching Discovery and it not matching up with what they wanted with the legacy characters created a lot of dissonance oh, sure, to me. Sure, sure, sure. No, but, I, I can see that. I can see that. Um, but I know I'm problem with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's good. I mean, like... Discovery always does a few things that I go like, huh, that's a weird choice. Like well, like in mm-hmm. episode two, like, oh, there is this space fungus growing on the ship. I, I, as the only pilot, should probably go out and scrub it off while these like these prisoners kind of just sit here. Oh, there she goes, just floating Ralph in space. I guess she got knocked off. I guess we're going to die. Like never in all any of Star Trek, they go like, do you have to manually scrub space fungus? Mm. <laughs> Well, yeah. I think it was a it wasn't a fungus. It was like a a bacteria or something. It eats electrons. I, I think my point is made. <laughs> I know what you mean, but <laughs> maybe it just wasn't an advanced enough ship. Remember, this is early days. That's right. That's it right. just looks fancy and new. Yeah, except for they have the the most powerful drive. It's a special ship. It's yeah. one special ship. With technology that even the Borg it, 200 years later have not considered. Yeah. Because they never assimilated it. There you go. There you go. It all worked out. It, <laughs> it was worked gone out. before they encountered That's how smart Stannis is. He's such a genius. Yeah, he got it. He knows what he's doing. Um, all right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. If you were here live, thank you for listening. If you are hanging out with us in the audio feed, we will be back next week to talk about episodes uh, 9, 10, 9, 10, and 11. And uh, yeah, we'll also be live streaming again. You can check us out on YouTube. Join us. We'd love to hear from you. Chit chat with us. It's a good time, uh, especially our West Coasty peoples. I feel like this time frame uh, works out well for y'all. Uh, you can find, rate, and review all the links to everything and more at StarTrekPod.com. You can join us over on the Patreon. There are watch-alongs happening over there. And I know we are going to be putting together some bonus episodes as well this month now that the holidays are over. Uh, thank you, Karen, for helping run our X. We're also active over on Instagram at Star Trek Pod. We will see you all next week. Live long and prosper. Bye-bye. Live long and prosper, everyone. I mean it. <laughs>